welcome back to the podcast, guys. We got a little bit of a special guest going today, so here we go. Welcome to the podcast. So we have Rhiannon with us today. You are clearly a fresh face to the podcast. <laughs> uh, some people who are watching may recognize you as they may be your classmates. <laughs> who knows? Um, but uh, Rhiannon is here on a mentee level on our tier three uh, mentorship. And, and basically what that is is our clinical rotations. And I'll actually kind of leave that uh, description and all that to you, Katie, is sure. because you've been through it. Um, you you were pretty much like the one that really pushed the construction of it as well. So uh, what is tier three in our mentorship program? Sure. So t the tier three uh, mentorship is geared toward clinical externships. So veterinary medical and veterinary technician or um, veterinary nurse students needing um, to fulfill some of their course continued like clinical coursework prior to graduation can come and spend one of their rotation blocks with us um, at Michigan State that's a three-week rotation block uh, and so we have the um, student come in and it's a, a bit of an abbreviated onboarding, um, but we still do the tricor, um, have an afternoon of onboarding with Annie, and then get you into the clinic seeing patients with myself and Dr. Riolo. Mm -hmm. And into the shelter, too. And into the shelter, too. Yes. Yep. yep. Um, and we, at the, the goal is at the, by the end of the externship, we actually use our skills rubric and performance review, um, to give you a sense of where you're at, mm -hmm. which you haven't seen yet. That's, no, that's coming, coming on Friday. Yes. yes. Um, are you nervous about it? Guys haven't been mean so far. All right. <laughs> when? <laughs> we weren't planning on it. So, um, well, and, and I mean, just again, the performance performance review process is never meant to be mean, right? It's all right. about growth. So it's just a discussion on here's where we're at. This is what we can, this is where we can grow. And if you stay like, again, if you end up staying within PAW, it's actually outlining, okay, this, this is how we're going to improve these areas. And this is how we're going to grow and get better. Right. And, and kind of when we had met last week too, it was like, you're taking all of these things and I understand how they would transfer into our culture. Right. Mm -hmm. But how do we kind of even push that one step further is like, well, if you don't end up in Mosinee, like where, wherever life takes you, what does that look like outside of the structure and how can you utilize, you know, not only veterinary skill set but also some of the, the softer skills that's because Rhiannon had actually retaken the assessment just to see if she uh -huh. was how much she had uh, adjusted in the last two years which was surprisingly n not okay <laughs> I was gonna say I'm always interested because yeah like I said I had taken the disc part for the first time in 08 yep. and then followed it up gosh five plus years later when I took it with you guys? It was 2013. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly the same. Or 2015. <laughs> or or yes. maybe not surprisingly right, the same. Right, right. <laughs> the behavior side has just, uh, you, I think you, pr you probably have smoothed the edge, edges off yeah. a little bit. Oh, yeah. Bit, there's, there's 
some culture, uh, uh, well, self-awareness I, maybe. I think the smoothing of the edges actually came after the second time when I had a better grasp of the whole. Yeah. How all three fit together. And yep. yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Very good. So tier three though, that was a big part of it. Um, now, uh, Katie, you described what it was from our perspective and what we built um, that as well as one and two and four, which we'll get into on a later date. Um, so we had basically a vision um, from experience and what we thought was missing in the industry and in just a number of different influences. And then you show up mm -hmm. and um, what was your expectation without actually, I mean, it's probably going to be a little bit difficult to not say what we've put in front of you but when you I'm, but you've been through I'm doing rough math here probably 30 different rotations something like that or no like 15 yeah that's 15 I rotations think you end up doing roughly. right around 20s ish or so. yeah. yeah yeah so what did you expect coming into a 24-hour all services clinic <laughs> uh on a rotational and externship level um yeah, so I'm kind of a wing it and see what happens kind of person. I had that schedule sent out to me saying that I was going to be working in the shelter some days, in the clinic some days, some nights leading up to midnight or so, and things like that. Um, so at least the hours worked. I had that concept. Beyond that, just didn't Coming. really have expectations beyond that far. Mm -hmm. um, but... Were there skills that you were hoping to, and I don't uh, improve upon or at least get exposure to that you haven't had exposure to yet? Yeah, so a big reason that I wanted to do an externship outside of Michigan State is to kind of get some more real world to it. Um, not everything is a tertiary referral hospital where you can just throw something over to CT or something like that. So seeing how medicine is practiced in a different area was interesting, even emergency medicine where it's not all at your fingertips like at MSU. Um, and then just getting more independence, more my doctor sure. legs under me a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yep. As yep. Caroline would say, becoming a more doctory doctor. Yes. <laughs> right. Because yes. from a very May baby doctor. Right. <laughs> May 1st. Yep. Here it comes. Yep. Um, so were all of your previous rotations just at the, at MSU? Um, I had had one, uh, which was kind of surgical and shelter based down in North Carolina, uh, which was very different in that, you know, you're not really practicing the medicine aspect. It was more along the lines of, you know, shelter and then out. Um, so this was one of the first actual based in medicine and practicing medicine and getting those skills on board mm -hmm. kind of externships. Cool. And yeah. what are your thoughts? How do you feel about it? If you were to be <laughs> a doctor tomorrow? Um, I, I mean, mean, I really liked it here. I mean, you're really here. close to tomorrow. <laughs> uh, I know. Yeah. Uh, I really liked it here. I like that there is such an emphasis on mentorship because it's hard to always know where your gaps are when you're kind of hand-fed a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and at MSU, they don't let you fail. They try very hard to get you to think through all the lists that you need to think through and get your clinical reasoning on board. But um, it 
it's different mm-hmm. when sure. it's a little more hands off and figure it out. And we're here to help when mm-hmm. when you have questions because baby doctors have lots of questions. Mm-hmm. The oh, whole yeah. concept of fail forward, right? right? Yep, that's a big thing. You gotta you gotta be exposed to the elements because yeah, if somebody's just holding your hand and walking you through the forest, yep. like they you you're, you might notice what they're what they're pointing out to what you don't want to trip on but at some point you're gonna have to break out the flashlight <laughs> and start yeah, walking yourself navigate. right, right. <laughs> yeah and i've noticed that a lot um in the last couple of weeks that i'd start to do something thinking like yeah i've done this before i totally got it oh crap wait <laughs> <laughs> um let me think through this a different way because i know i'm not totally on my own mm-hmm. um there's that support backbone there i'm not gonna fail doing it Mm. but like oh gosh do i actually understand this enough can i adapt to now like my own reasoning my own judgment and Mm -hmm. see what happens with it so Mm -hmm. it's been nice being i haven't been allowed to fail Mm -hmm. exactly but like to have to fight through a problem that well, you, but you've been provided the opportunity to. I mean, you've had your hands inside of patients. I mm. mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's not like, uh, you know, it, 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 maybe failure is not the right word, but like to stumble, right? Yeah. Like at some point you could have just like, whoops, shouldn't have done that. Like, and that's what you're talking about with the support structure yeah. where it's like, this isn't going to be like the ultimate failure, yeah. right. but like you you also weren't being completely guarded from any type of risk yeah. like there is definitely some that was included in there and then walking through cases with uh, Dr. Carlo and Dr. Katie as well where it's like all right here it is what do you do type thing and then kind of go from there so risk yeah but uh, yeah there's also that safety net which is was kind of the idea from right. the inception of the mentorship program and is is essentially like you know, MSU probably puts it a better way than I could is in creating day one ready right you have to be ready to realize the risk of stumbling and potentially failing and if you don't have that skill set uh, outside of the referral um, type structure, it's probably or even just like super specialty within a university setting. It's probably going to be a pretty difficult realization when you step foot into a day practice clinic that's been around for thirty years and just does things the way that they do. So, but you've you went through that. You said that you had a mentor. It wasn't a mentorship program right. per se, but you went through the whole thing. Um, and now when with looking back at your experience and kind of the way that we built it now knowing Rhiannon's experience, um, do you see parallels? Do you see differences? So, and one, one thing that they have, um, eliminated from the MSU, um, clinical rotations that used to be required was called the, uh, your ambul- ambulatory externship where you were assigned to a clinic in Michigan. Mm. Um, and and it, it tried to match your um, interests. So if you were interested in small animal, very often you got matched with a small animal practice versus dairy yeah. medicine. I went um, to the eastern end of the UP to a mixed animal practice where it was a, he was a solo practitioner and his wife was his assistant and his daughter-in-law was the receptionist and 
Man, keeping it yep. in the family. And that was it. Yeah. That was the practice. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, for me, and I think I had mentioned this when we were uh, talking, for me, that was one of the best externships that I had been on because mm-hmm. it taught me the, like, really taught me the value of a good physical exam mm-hmm. um, because he didn't, he didn't have really anything in house. Mm-hmm. If there were going to be any diagnostics done, they got sent to Michigan state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really being able to utilize your physical exam to have a, you know, conversation with the caregiver about this is where we're at. Yep. These are the tests I have available, but we aren't going to have results for yeah. a couple of days. Um, and where to go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those, and those are the conversations that as a student, you don't get to have that you need to be ready to have day one. Yeah. Because the minute you start seeing patients and talking to caregivers, you have to be able to say, okay, this is what I found and talk to them about history and, and then come up with a treatment plan but then mm-hmm. not every caregiver is going to be able to proceed with that gold standard treatment plan right? Um, and, and make adjustments from there. Yeah, pretty much every, every setting outside of that university structure, right, is going to have um, significant more barriers to that gold standard type treatment, right. whether it's caregiver finances, uh, available diagnostics that are around, like, right, like how many clinics around in Wisconsin have a CT, right? Like three, specialty, four, right. five, Only right? The specialty, right? Yeah. So it's not really something that you have available. Oncology services don't really exist outside of the university setting in our area, right? There's, so there's a lot of there's a lot of barriers to all of that sort of stuff. So being able to have um, that is, I would say that that's really just a part of informed consent is just right. understanding what's in front of you, right? So if without actually, I, and probably one of the biggest values to informed consent, I would say, is understanding those barriers, right? So when we talk about the three costs, the, right. uh, this one's probably, in our situation, pretty heavy on the financial, mm-hmm. where we don't actually know what a caregiver's finances are like, and we never can assume positive, negative, or otherwise. So it's like, all right, I have no idea, but this is what you can do. What are you going right. to do? Right. He, well, and... And just being, and again, at a university or um, referral type type practice, they are already, the expectation has already been set up that it is going to be expensive, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, and then, again, coming into the quote-unquote real world, um, there are very, very varying amounts of um caregiver expectations from a cost standpoint uh, and so being able to provide that discussion of of a treatment plan and then followed up with an estimate from a financial aspect um, to allow them to make the best decision for for them and their patient mm-hmm. um, and you and I actually kind of talked about that mm-hmm. last week uh, in a situation that you had experienced that was uh, similar but on 
actually like a, a, a situation that happens in our clinic from time to time where they didn't expect something to be as expensive as it is. Um, but <laughs> we handle that on the front end and you had to handle it on the back end yep. <laughs> of like all it's of already it. Like, done. So they had, they walked in with that expectation, but there was still that, oh crap, this is really stressful. So you can kind of tell the tale if you wish of what, what happened. Um, yeah. Um, so typically once they get to MSU, especially one of the specialty services, they, they understand there is going to be a significant cost. You're not coming through our <coughs> soft tissue surgery department unless you know you're getting some kind of surgery <coughs> that only our doctors typically do. Right. Um, so this patient was a little bit different in that I think they came in through a different service first. Sure. So they were kind of already a little uneasy with the cost of everything. Um, and then, so ap- after the whole workup, you know, they these people really love their dog. They um, ended up removing one of the legs uh, due to a tumor. And they were quoted for a certain amount for the surgery and for the medications and for the hospitalization and all that. And then it just updating the quote and that estimate kind of fell through the cracks it's a gotcha. big hospital there's a lot of hands in every bit it transferred departments i think once or twice so it just kind of felt the cracks and then at the end when we were checking out um their bill was kind of significantly higher than the quote that they had signed for and then they had specifically told me they were concerned about reaching their max um through a couple channels the word just never got to the right person it wasn't it just sure yeah uh fell through the cracks so they were very surprised at the end of the day at what the final cost was except what can you do the dog's leg was amputated and this is the right. bill now um and it it's one of those things where it kind of fell on me at first because i'm the student that's checking the dog out and now we're in the lobby and there's a couple unhappy things sure. happening right now and it was just interesting to have to deal with that and yeah. and how do you manage that at this point? Sure. You know, it should have been a good thing that their dog is now without the tumor and leaving and mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> just, <laughs> a bad, it there. just a bad period at the end of the yeah. sentence. Um, which as far I, again, I have never been really outside of paw on a on Well and so I, I I wonder how much of that is was a like you said like was a breakdown in process because mm-hmm. so I get, from what I remember um, and and I get where when the the changing service but yeah. um, when they came in uh, they were if they were going to be hospitalized there was a whole estimate process yep. mm-hmm. and they were provided that um, and then each morning when the student called with the patient update we also had to update them on where the bill was at Mm -hmm. that is no longer really an expectation of us to handle that part of the financial side okay um we can get them to sign the estimate saying between this and this Mm -hmm. range and then from that point on it's kind of hands off as a student and we're literally just there to have them sign the paper and get them out the door with that um, so when i had met with the people originally they said this is my max I am here for this. This is what I can do. And I relayed that information to a couple of the people that are more responsible for the financial side. And Mm -hmm. 
that's where process kind of broke down and it got a little overboard. I thought it was more, um, I thought it was getting handled a little bit differently. I wasn't checking in on the bill. It just kind of funneled sure. through that. But it, that I mean, even if you were checking in on the bill, you w- didn't have, Yeah, it wasn't anything that you could have updated the caregiver with along the way anyways. That wasn't an expectation. Yeah of you that was somebody else's responsibility mm-hmm. that didn't get done. Yep. And then you ended up mm-hmm. hearing about it. Right. Yep. Which is probably, <laughs> was- uh, you know, unfortunately, considering the, the way that clinic structures outside of PAW are generally set up, I would bet that a lot of students at some point in their practice of medicine is actually going to end up having that conversation. Yeah. Right. right. That's not the only time I've had it. That's- right just the most significant and that one at least was fairly easy to turf over or I called my doctor up real quick so right please come help me with this this is out of my range of what I can handle mm-hmm. so yeah it, but when you're day one ready yeah right and you're the one that's ultimately res- mm-hmm. like you're that doctor that the technician or the support staff calls right like yeah how do you have that conversation and the hope and the reason that our process is the way that it is, yeah. is you don't have that conversation. That's why I really like the process yeah. here in regards to that with like the upfront pricing and yeah. there are not surprises or there shouldn't be. And right. So uh, you, the, never, never, you can never say never. Medicine right. is as much an art as it is a science and, and yeah. surgery for that matter. Um, but uh, part of that process is yes, the upfront pricing but if something were to happen during a hospital stay, during a surgical procedure, that is a phone call that does not get turfed to the end of the patient's stay. Mm-hmm. That is a phone call that happens mm-hmm. almost essentially in the moment. Yeah. We just had one this last Saturday. Right. Of, a, you know, there was a, an unforeseen, you know, ver- well, variable, and, right? Right. Whether it's a complication <laughs> or just something... Um, you know, that wasn't accounted for happens. Yeah. Um, Or like a potential risk factor that is ultimately realized because the diagnostics are unable to actually source. Right. Right. No test is 100%. Right. It's just reality. Um, Yeah. Again, it's never, it should never ultimately end up being a time of discharge conversation. That Mm -hmm. conversation happens well before we get to that point right um yeah so with that experience that you did have you probably learned a lot of stuff right like number one and the funny part is when you were originally telling me that story last week it was just like oh so you just listed off like um unnecessary conflict entirely right right? and then there was another one it was like oh you're just defining what inefficient process is all the all the stuff that we've talked about for too many hours probably at this point uh on this platform but it it was funny how it completely unprompted it's like oh yeah that from coming to the guy that has never (laughs) ever been in that setting on that level so um the big thing that i i would take away from that is Number one, you can learn how to have financial discussions because that's definitely a part of being, you know, a veterinarian or potentially any doctor for that matter. I don't really know, but definitely <laughs> in vet medicine. Right. Um, and then the other side of that is being able to try and, you know, to get it out in front of it because that experience is you can pick one of two ways to go. You can keep going down that path Mm -hmm. of I'm going to continuously have these crap conversations at the end of this process, 
or I can just get out in front of it. So from a transferable skill set and why you're here, right? To get better at being a veterinarian and being more day one ready, that whole point of, you know, kind of rehashing this and understanding how it parallels or doesn't with our process is you can actually now understand the negatives from that and the positives of what mm-hmm. we recommend, right? And you can take that into any clinic. That's right. the whole point of tier three is you can now take a very specific skill set that you are not getting in school, which potentially, you know, not to the fault of the school, right? Right. They have their way of doing things. Mm-hmm. It's not like they're doing something so badly that we need to say that they're terrible at it. No. But there's differences. There's pragmatism within real veterinary medicine outside of that structure. And that's one of the ways to really understand the value of having that conversation on the front end. Yep. And going through clinics, you know, I've been through enough rotations. I've had difficult conversations. I've, I have learned a lot of that aspect of it in school as well. It's just Mm -hmm. different having it done here and just seeing how the process helps you avoid those. Right. Right. Yes. Um, what else did you learn? You've, you did some surgeries. Yeah. What about like surgery. actual tactile skill sets? Was that something that you had before? Uh, not nearly to this degree. Yeah. Um, just a lot more hands-on and it, it's really great because it feels like there's more trust in that. Like, especially for the first several of them, you know, Dr. Carla would be in the room watching, making sure that you know, giving tips along the way, making sure that I was not going to mess up. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it kind of crept back like a little more hands off. Like, I know you how to, I know you know how to close now. Yell if you need something. I'm in the other room working on this, but like, I believe in you. You got this. Mm-hmm. Like, great. And a lot of the time with that, it's just repetition. Just do it again and again and again and again until it feels right in your hand. Mm-hmm. Right. So creating that muscle memory. Yeah. So that has been helpful to start to develop. Um, Cause I think I said something to him sometime last week. Like it feels so much less foreign. Sure. To be closing this right now. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was there that day just not, you know, just, I was working on something else too. And I was like, Oh, she's just doing it. Like she's just doing the surgery thing. So that's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. And yeah, you didn't, at least in the time I was there, I was like, no, oh, you just, you just went through the motions and it was like, you're just being a doctor, yeah. which you didn't have three weeks ago. Really? I mean, you were, you probably would have been able to work your way through it. Yeah. But it's, um, that's pretty sweet. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But um, to be able to go in with that confidence, with that additional confidence, mm-hmm. you know, um, again, day one yeah. versus having to kind of struggle through trying to gain that your first three weeks of like at a job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's going to make <laughs> a huge, like as, as you're overwhelmed with all of the other stuff that like starting a new job <coughs> c- could potentially bring on, um, like that's one less thing. Just one less thing. Right. Just knocking them off the, <laughs> off the board, right? Because there's a lot of things. There are a lot of things yeah. as a baby doctor. That <laughs> it's like, ooh, okay. <laughs> baby doctor, I love it. Um, what else have you been working on? I was gone for like five days of it, so I didn't actually get to see your first few days. Yeah, the first few days um, was kind of an easing in period. The very first day with onboarding, and then mm-hmm. I think one of the next days I just shadowed some CVTs and mm-hmm. got a feel for the clinic and the process that 
that you follow here. Um, oh, we went to the Humane Society because then yeah. that's uh, right before yep. the right before we left the trip. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so also went to the shelter and saw all of that, and you know all those charts keep showing up and the core values and <laughs> all of mm-hmm. it just you know it's it's reinforced constantly mm-hmm. um which is i appreciate because to me they make sense it's a logical flow and it's nice seeing what what makes sense actually work as well sure yeah yep there's yeah there's definitely because you can read a i've read a ton of books and like take like 30% of it and you can just throw it right in the garbage because none of it's actually realistic. That was the whole point of the ERT in going from like the one page in the front. Cause if you were not aware section one, page one used to be its own section, which was the core values Hmm. surrounding serve the patient. And now it's well between 1.1 and 1.2, it's like 30 pages. But, um, that was the whole point was taking something that is very, very, um, usable and putting it in the hands of everybody else. And that just expanded uh, pretty substantially in the last year. Right. Um, but yeah, I'm glad yeah. that that's being translated well, because um, I freely admit that I have consumed all of the Paw Health Kool-Aid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I may be brewing it up myself at right. this point, um, but I'm glad that that's working. Selling it in the lemonade stand at the... <laughs> Just right off the highway. Come drink one. Here's the lemonade, guys. Big old 11,000 square foot lemonade stand. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's part of um, why I came out here is I think it really just came down to one lunch meeting that Carlo was at. And, you know, I, I'm not even from this area. Right. And mm-hmm. then here's this guy just speaking with passion. And it seemed like it made sense. I clearly don't remember everything that was talked about in the lunch meeting, but it just kind of stuck in the back of my head. Like maybe that is a new way that they could try to do something. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'll check that out. And then I get here. I actually, you know, put to words and actual process and see what the things that he was talking about that seemed exciting at the time, like that they actually work and that I understand kind of how it flows now. And, yeah, good decision. And it probably <laughs> it and it probably actually makes more sense now that you've been through several clinics and you're getting ready to start looking for a job mm-hmm. um, as far as setting those expectations uh, about one what you are looking for in a clinic um, as far as what they can provide both in patient care and like culture within the employees. Yeah. Yeah, and I like to learn from everything. I like to ask why a lot and figure out why things are being done the way that they are. Um, part of wanting to learn everything, I'm learning a lot of things that I don't want to do, not here necessarily, just sure. throughout you know my range of experiences, picking up things I like and things I don't like, and I'm seeing a lot of things I like here, so it makes sense to try to find, um, even if I don't end up here, like a clinic that follows some of those. Right, right. I hope you're ready to make it, <laughs> not just walk into it. Right. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that was actually one of the most um, eye-opening things for me when we were at 
MSU and actually mostly at the at the conference because sure. right we were like everyone was like what are you trying to sell an idea and some people would have that similar response that were the, the ones that were already practicing of like um, yeah this sounds like something that would be of value but it was probably like thirty percent of the people that we even talked with let alone the bunch of people that walked right past us right which was fine we understood that that's not who we were there for anyways but the few people that it really like latched onto, you yeah. could tell they were like i don't know what i'm gonna do with this but i'm gonna do something with it right <laughs> like two years ago and now i'm here <laughs> yeah so but the the cool part about that is understanding actually what we had talked about in the last podcast with carlo and myself is really just being that agent of change mm-hmm. and understanding that um, the majority of people that are going to be around you are actually going to resist and potentially try and be a barrier to you creating this type of change. Um, there are going to be a lot of forces that are going to pull you back in or try to pull you back into the center of the way things already are. And um, over time, uh, no, somebody has to be the force of change. That's why we put it on so many things that we do. Um, and this is the whole point of the mentorship program as well is to start to find people like yourself where it's like, yeah, I love to ask why I want to be, you know, in uh, understand what I want to do and what I don't want to do and how I want that to be completed as well. And, um, that's how that web starts to grow. So you now going out into the world again, not really sure where that's going to take you yet. It's like, all right, well, let's make sure that you're ready to understand the fact that there are going to be about 80% of the people that you're around. They're going to be like, that's a dumb idea. You shouldn't do that. But you've already seen it happen and you know, it's a good idea. (laughs) 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 It's frightening though, for a lot of people to understand that there is literally just a wall of people kind of in your way um, to making that happen, but it's worth it. So, sorry, don't mean to like burst your bubble there, but <laughs> <laughs> change. I mean, just change is difficult. Right, right. I mean, we and we we experience that even within Paul, though. So it's not that. Um, I think most of us have drank the Kool Aid. Oh yeah. Uh, but even then, we can kind of get to a wall and it's like okay how are we going to kind of get through get over this hurdle or break through this wall um what's the next step and and we again we often will find resistance um if the change is is big enough Mm -hmm. uh and it's just a matter of sticking to the core values really (laughs) as corny as that sounds um, right. Well, because ultimately, like, if the old way is better, like, we've gone back to the way things had been. Right. But it's like, well, we don't know until we try it. So why not just try it? We're all here for the same reason. Why not just see if we can do it better? That's right. the whole concept. But again, that is a mindset that some people will never have. Correct. I think a lot of people have a hard time with just the throw it out there, you know, and, and see what you catch type thing. Um, but it doesn't sound like you really have that problem. 
is, you know, like, yeah, whatever. If there's a better way to do it, why not know about it is kind of the mindset. Um, Cause it's not only in, you know, the, the business aspect and creating change on a cultural level, but also from a medicine perspective, like that's what science is. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, um, I guess I don't have another question myself, Katie. Do you have one? I'm, well, I'm running dry. Well, that's so from an experience from the last two and a half weeks, we've mm-hmm. talked about um, kind of just process, um, fitting like uh, clinic culture, skills. So, surgical skills, any other skills that you feel that were. Enhanced, like, yeah, better. Yeah, I, upon? I really like uh, the emphasis placed on informed consent. Sure. Um, just getting through all of those conversations, it's great to go in the room and just just hear it again and again and again, and how thoroughly it's talked through. Um, other other times that I've had to have these conversations, it's kind of a barrel through of, this is the problem now this 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 so the next step and at the end result you'll get to this and that's that and there we go Mm -hmm. and here we are Mm -hmm. um there's less emphasis placed on well what can you manage can you catch your outdoor cat and give it heart failure meds two times a day is that good for you and your family and your cat and your budget and all of that as well and all of those factors play into the ultimate goal you know we can say all we want this is the plan and this is how you get to this outcome but like is it going to happen so I like how there's a variety of options placed out there for the caregivers to decide what works for them and um, how little pressure there is to, to steer them one way or another yeah so I think uh, what you're hitting upon is, especially at that like referral level um, center, and, and oftentimes you get caught in that trap in, in private practice as well, where you're there, you're there serving the patient, mm-hmm. but you kind of get blinders on as to what that means, mm-hmm. right? So here's, here's a patient in heart failure. You need to give these meds two to three times a day, and that's, that's what it is. Here's your meds. And they come back for their recheck three weeks later and they aren't doing as well as you wanted. And, and you find out while well, the caregiver isn't giving the meds as directed. Um, and, and then it becomes this frustration. Well, why aren't you doing this? Mm-hmm. Versus having that upfront conversation right away. So we need to give these meds two to three times a day is this something you are comfortable doing? Is this something that you can realistically do in your patient? Um, what does it mean if you can't do it? Because then that brings into the conversation that Ben alluded to or, or a little bit earlier that we do bring into the informed consent part of it is the the three... Um, three costs of patient care? Th- right. Yeah. The three costs of patient right. care as far yeah. as physical, financial, and emotional. Right. Um, and, and that's a big part of patient care um, and educating the caregiver. And I think that's the part that is, that's the most difficult part of the conversation to have. And I think it gets kind of pushed aside a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's less singly tracked. Right. 
towards mm-hmm. the outcome that we want for the patient and more, all right, what actually can we do here? Right. Yep. Is there anything that you feel like we missed on? Ooh. Because <laughs> <laughs> as much as we want you to improve, mm-hmm. guess who else wants to? <laughs> right. Yep. It's a two-way street. That's Definitely. for sure. I, I'm not sure. Um, nothing's jumping to mind, but like, can I get a performance review to you guys too after you do me? Like, uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. absolutely. I would very much appreciate it <laughs> because it's that? really right. Like you, you walked in with, uh, even if they were unwritten, but with a certain set of expectations of what's in, what are you walking into unspoken or otherwise? Um, and for us, we want to be able to fulfill, you know, those as best as possible, which is why we try to set those expectations right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if there's any sort of feedback, um, you know, as much as we love to talk about the positive feedback and how, you know, we're doing as much as we can and, and, and effectively creating, you know, a, a, a greater skill set in for you, with you, with you, that's the right word. Um, it's also good to know specifically where we can do better because you're not the first and you're not the last, mm-hmm. right? There's one of your friends is right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll be, I'll be curious to gather that feedback, uh, and see what we can do with it because I would very much appreciate it. And I guess a similar, but just a little bit different. Cause we've got, we do have you here for a few more days. Are there any skills and in, in this, could be specific to you, but just, and you know, your schooling, are there mm-hmm. skills that you feel that we could have helped you with that we didn't kind of get to with the kind of caseload or patients that were presented? And that that's going to vary for us too, because we have to mm-hmm. deal with what, whatever right. presents whatever itself walks in the door, yeah. right. Presents <laughs> itself to us. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, even on that one, it's, a lot of the things that I've wanted to work on have been touched on in some regard. Sure. Um, and even when, you know, back my first week, it was a little more of a passive role. I would go in and just listen. And then this week or a couple of days ago, I saw a case myself and I did all the client communication and, you know, Dr. Carler was there for to the bounce ideas off of and yep. make sure I didn't, you know, go down <laughs> any wrong trails. Uh-huh. Right. Um, so everything's been touched on and it's been improving. Sure. So, yep. Just confidence and keep doing it. Is that yeah. the plan for the rest of your, your couple days here is to just do doctory stuff like on the floor? Uh, I don't know what the plan is. No, the plan. Well, the plan got, I mean, welcome to Pow Health. The yeah. plan yeah. changes. Yeah. <laughs> Be ready for change. Right. Uh, so we switched the, her schedule around a little bit. So we've got the staff meeting tonight. So mm-hmm. we'll get to have kind of that experience of the entire staff in one room. Um, and then I think tomorrow is an off day. Friday is performance review, a couple hours on the floor with myself, and then finish actually finishing out with you instead of... And with Annie. I believe, or no, that was, yeah, that's, yeah, that's going to be in the morning. Man, yep. I get to, I get to just close it out. Yep. Oh, oh. <laughs> we get to do that stuff for, we get to do some marketing stuff. 
So you get to talk about yourself in a, le- a much more short format <laughs> a little bit. Did you get those questions, by the way? <laughs> totally, totally non-necessary to this conversation, but... <laughs> Maybe I haven't checked. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, cool. Well, yeah. She was a little. She's been I've, a little busy. She got yeah, called in this that. morning at like four a.m. Yeah. So she's been. I've, oh, you got to jump I've in on the surgery this morning. To do, you know, even if I don't have more scheduled yeah. real shifts that many more on the yeah on the floor here, I've I've found my way into that clinic a couple times. Fantastic. Outside of normal hours, just because yeah. there's cool things I can get my hand in. Uh-huh. Yep. Cool. Um, yeah, there's definitely, yeah, that f- it's always at four o'clock in the morning though. Yeah. That's when the weird ones come in. So, um, well, that's, I'm glad that we were able to do our part. Um, and I look forward to hearing how we can do it better. Um, <laughs> uh, but we don't need to take your whole afternoon. I know we did wake you up from a nap to do this. <laughs> so <laughs> 4 a.m. calling. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we can kind of, if, unless you have anything that you'd like to yeah, continue on, good. Dr. Katie, uh, yeah, we can keep this as kind of a short one. Rhiannon, thank you for joining us and, uh, being a little bit uncomfortable with cameras and microphones and all that sort of stuff and muscling through it anyways so all right uh we will be back next week have a good one guys